With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, what's up, you guys? Welcome to You Are Not a Serial Killer. If you are a serial killer, please consider not listening to my podcast. I don't want to be implicated in your crimes. Thanks. Anyway, I'm not a psychiatrist. Don't trust a word I say. Welcome to the first episode of You Are Not a Serial Killer. I'm your host, Kaylin. This is a podcast where we're going to talk about mental illness, how it's portrayed in media, and what it's really like living with those illnesses. Sometimes shows like Criminal Minds get it right. Sometimes they get it horribly, horribly wrong, and it can have a really damaging effect on how people see mental illness. So this episode, we're going to be talking about an illness that I have myself. Other episodes, we might talk about illnesses that I don't have because I don't have them all. I'll try to do the best I can with research, but I can't promise that I'm always going to get things right. Hence, don't trust a word I say. So we're going to start this episode off with a little bit of a trigger warning. Uh, We're going to be talking about mental illness, suicide, childhood trauma, murder might make its way into this, who knows, anything could happen. Um, So yeah, let's get started. I was first diagnosed with BPD or borderline personality disorder when I was 18. I was in the hospital after my fifth suicide attempt and the doctor asked me, how I responded to rejection and I was like fucking poorly dude like everybody else and I was pissed that he had asked this because I uh, in part had attempted suicide because someone I really liked had rejected me I was 18 I was a little baby I didn't understand what was going on in my brain and I was mad that he had somehow figured this out in my mind and two I was mad because he then diagnosed me with borderline personality disorder without any other explanation and it offended me and I was like, I was scared. I think that's the best way to put it is I was a little bit terrified because no one had ever explained that to me and I was still wrapped up in all this mental health stigma. And so I thought that he was telling me I was insane and I was mad about that. So for years I was mad about that actually. Until I talked to my old therapist, Drew, who I really trusted, told her the story. She was like, uh, dude, uh, Kaylin, I'm going to tell you something. Um, You do have borderline personality disorder. And I was like, ah, shit, I was so mad. And now I do have it. Uh, And I meet all the criteria and that's okay. And I don't have a DSM on me, but I do have an article from Very Well Mind by a Crystalline Salters Pedno, PhD, And she lists the criteria as chronic feelings of emptiness, emotional instability in reaction to -to day-to-day events, frantic efforts to avoid real or imagined abandonment, identity disturbance with markedly or persistently unstable self-image or sense of self, impulsive behavior in at least two areas that are potentially self-damaging, examples include spending, sex, substance abuse, reckless driving, binge eating, inappropriate intense anger or difficulty controlling anger, A pattern of unstable and intense interpersonal relationships characterized by extremes between idealization and devaluation. It's also known as splitting, which I did not know. Recurrent suicidal behavior, gestures or threats, or self-harming behavior. 
and transient stress-related paranoid ideation or severe dissociative symptoms. So when Drew and I went through the criteria for BPD, I was like, oh, shit. Uh, So I've experienced all of these. Fun. (laughs) Great. And most of them I'm still experiencing. Like, my rage has gotten better and my like self-harming behaviors have gotten a lot better. My reaction to mostly everything that is bad is that I should kill myself, uh, which isn't fun. It's not a great feeling to have, but I'm working on it and I'm getting there. Another thing I deal with a lot is the frantic efforts to avoid abandonment. I constantly think my friends are going to abandon me uh, based on something I do or something I've done or something that's annoying to them about me, especially when I'm like favorite personing a friend where I'm like, this is the only person I want to talk to and I need to talk to them all the time. And if they're not talking to me, it means they're not my friend. Oh my God, I've ruined everything. And that can get really overwhelming for a friend, right? Is like, they can't hold all that weight of being your only friend. But also I think I'm super mean to myself about what my friends think of me, right? Like most of my best friends because I have best friends. I don't really have a lot of just friends. Like, they're not going to leave. They know, right? They know uh, that I'm crazy or whatever. (laughs) They know that I have these symptoms and they're accepting of them and they know how to work around them. And I'm not a burden, but I feel like a burden so often that it's really hard sometimes to not believe that it's true and that sometimes I'm just really fucking annoying, which I can be. I think everyone can be really fucking annoying. But I think one of the biggest things about it and something I struggle with a lot and something that is an, it's a major stereotype and like a stigma about BPD is manipulation. So people with BPD can very often be seen as someone who's very manipulative and like they're always going to be manipulating you into thinking a certain thing or acting a certain way. And it's always, it's not always right, but it's very commonly seen as like a malicious, a malicious type of manipulation which I mean studies have shown and we'll get to that in a minute that it's not malicious normally so from Bridge to Recovery an article by Elizabeth Vonstrom um she writes in other words what is perceived as manipulation is in fact a desperate attempt to cope with the overwhelming fears of abandonment and rejection that sit at the heart of borderline personality disorder Rather than manipulation, Dr. Susan Heitler suggests understanding these behaviors as pervasive patterns of emotional hyperreactivity, allowing us to move away from stigmatizing conceptualizations of BPD symptoms. And uh, I was so glad when I read this article because I was doing a bunch of research on being a manipulative person. And I mean, we can be, right? But I mean, for me, when I'm manipulating someone, it's not because I'm like, I'm manipulating like I'm gonna make them do this thing right it's more like I need my boyfriend to tell me he's not mad at me I need him to do that because it's all I believe I need him to tell me that he's not gonna leave me and that he doesn't hate me blah 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 and so what I do and this is my manipulation tactic is be like is just ask are you mad at me you're mad at me or just say it right just be like you're mad at me you hate me because then he'll say no right? And I need to hear that. So instead of asking, I need to hear that you're not mad at me and communicating that in a healthy way, I communicate that in a manipulative way. 
Does that mean I'm doing it maliciously? Absolutely not. I'm doing it in a self-centered way for sure. And I used to not be thinking about the effect it would have on him because, I mean, it has to be draining to hear me be like, you hate me. And it was draining on a lot of my friends for sure when I wasn't really understanding what it meant to be manipulative in this context. But it doesn't mean that I'm trying to do something maliciously, right? I just need to hear that thing. And that's not an excuse for it. There are healthier ways to communicate what you need from your partner. But again, one of the misconceptions, one of these stigmatizing things is that people with BPD are very manipulative. And according to this Bridge to Recovery article, there are some clinicians even who don't want to work with BPD uh, people because because they're manipulative or something, which is just... <laughs> Which to me is just so ridiculous. Like, how are you going to know so much about psychology and then be like, I don't want to work with someone who's BPD because they're just going to manipulate me. It's like, maybe you should be better at your job and know how to deal with someone who's quote unquote manipulating you. These mental health professionals who call people with BPD, like, quote, selfish, manipulative, untreatable, clingy. Like, how is that going to help someone? It's not untreatable. It's, it's treatable. It's fully treatable. That doesn't mean you're ever going to be cured. Like... I'm on just a cocktail of medications to keep me going throughout the day, but it keeps me going throughout the day, right? They're life-saving medications because I'll kill myself without them. You know what I mean? Like, how, how dare you say it's untreatable? DBT, dialectical behavior therapy, was invented specifically for people with BPD. And calling it BPD on its own is such bullshit. Like, there's debate about it, right? It should be called something else. And my favorite one is dysregulation disorder because you are just unregulated your emotions are just out of whack and they're crazy and that doesn't mean that you can't be treated and that someone should deny you treatment because you're like mentally ill that's the whole point of being a mental health professional is like helping someone and I've had terrible therapists when I was a kid in treatment centers they told me I was lying and attention-seeking and horrible and that I just, like, nothing was wrong with me except for the fact that I wanted attention. I remember his histrionic disorder, I think, which we'll get into on a later episode, but, like, they told me I had oppositional defiant disorder. They told me that I was just an asshole. And I am not. I wasn't. I was severely mentally ill and I was being treated like shit by therapists who didn't want to treat someone with a mental illness is what it seems like. I mean, I don't know what was going on in their head, but I mean, if it's the case with one, it can be the case with others, right? If people are going to treat people with BPD like they're monsters, then yeah, that stigma is going to live on forever and they're not going to get treatment and it's going to seem untreatable if you're not treating them. Ugh. I mean, I'm just talking on my ass here, but people with BPD are manipulating in a way that they're they're trying so hard to hold on to something, right? Not to get ahead. There have been studies that compare BPD manipulation to Machiavellianism, which is, uh, according to HarleyTherapy.com, a personality trait which sees a person so focused on their own interests they will manipulate, deceive, and exploit others to achieve their goals, end quote. Like, that's not what's happening with BPD. And Machiavellianism is part of the dark triad, right? Which is such a fucked up term on its own where like narcissists fall into that and you're gonna call it the dark triad you're gonna paint people with mental illness as a villain they're dark they're scary that's such a fucked up way to talk about mental illness and to describe what's going on with someone right 
And so, if you're not willing to treat someone who's manipulative, in your own words, like, yeah, it's going to be untreatable. Obviously. Or at least it's going to seem untreatable to you because you're not treating it. If you're refusing to treat something, yeah, it's going to seem untreatable. It's going to seem like an unbeatable disease or whatever. And it's not. I mean, borderline personality disorder, you can learn and retrain your brain to have healthier coping mechanisms. That's the whole point of DBT, right? And borderline personality like comes from different factors, right? There's a genetic component to it. There's also an environmental component. These environmental components can range from, like, childhood neglect, parents with substance abuse issues, and victims of abuse. I, myself, uh, have all three. And I like to think of my BPD as, like, this extension of my PTSD. I think that's really how I was able to wrap my head around what BPD was, is that it came from my trauma, right? I learned these coping mechanisms through trauma. And that's not to say I'm like blaming it on my trauma, just that it came into existence along with my trauma. And I mean, like I said, BPD can come from a variety of factors. It can come from genetics, hereditary dispositions, brain abnormalities, right? There's just a plethora of different ways this personality disorder, quote unquote, can evolve. And I think just the term personality disorder is part of what leads to the stigma, right? I've had people who associate the words personality disorder, like, ask me if I have multiple personalities. And when I was first diagnosed when I was 18, I was like, I don't have multiple personalities because that's what I thought it was, right? Because that's how it's portrayed in the media. That's how these personality disorders are portrayed. And when you have this language surrounding it, that doesn't really make sense <laughs> and it's it's named by neurotypical people rather than people with the disorder, then it's going to make sense in the way that people who don't experience it understand it versus the other way around. And there are a lot of studies on criminality and mental illness, criminality and BPD, but there aren't as many studies on suicidal thoughts and suicidal actions with BPD patients. And I mean, according to a study by Marianne Goodman uh, at all, um, 75% of people with BPD will make at least one suicide attempt in their lifetime. And many will make multiple suicide attempts. And like I said, I attempted suicide five times. Like I self-harmed so much as a kid, as a young adult, right? Um, and according to the American Psychiatric Association, like 3%, 3 to 10% of people with BPD complete suicide, which is more than 50 times the rate of suicide in the general population. Like people with BPD are struggling and there are a lot of people who don't want to go and see therapists who get denied therapy because of, <laughs> because of this dis disorder right? Because they're seen as manipulative when really it's, and the best way to put it, in my opinion, is dysregulation disorder because of their inability to cope with all of the emotions that like, you know, it's been called having like 90% of your body covered in third degree burns. Like you're so emotionally raw at all times. Like, of course this shit is going to hurt so bad, right? So 
when you're going to deny treatment, you're going to paint them as villains. You're going to stigmatize them. Of course, sometimes the only option out that they can see, that they can understand is suicide. And so we're dying. People with BPD are dying because of this stigma. So obviously we have to end it, right? And it's not just people with BPD, it's people with other mental disorders. And there are people who are trying to end the stigma. Um, People like Brandon Marshall, who's an NFL wide receiver who was diagnosed with BPD and started Project 375 to raise awareness, especially in the youth, about um, mental illness and preventative treatments and, like, I don't want to say, like, early detection, but, like, actually treating children who have mental illness with respect and helping them. And then you have Pete Davidson from SNL, who's very open about his diagnosis, which is just one thing you can do to end the stigma is be as open as possible. And, you know, like people might listen, especially to celebrities. You have uh, Hope for the Day, which is a nonprofit in Chicago that's, you know, quote, empowering the conversation on proactive suicide prevention and mental health education, end quote. Like, they have stores like Fuck the Stigma and Antisocial Stigma Club, which is so fun. You know what I mean? Like, you can make ending the stigma fun, and it's not just, like, me yelling at a microphone. But it's never going to end until we start treating mental illness as what it is, as as not, like, a, a villainous thing or a malicious thing, you know? People with mental illness are people too. And if we stop focusing on the criminal aspect of mental illness, if we stop being like, well, so many mentally ill people are criminals when that's not even true. And we start focusing on the struggles that people with mental illnesses are facing, like we'll have a better chance of helping them and of making, like of helping them not commit suicide. And that's a fact, right? Like if people can get treatment, there's a way better chance that they won't commit suicide. And then instead of focusing on people like Eileen Mornos, who was a serial killer, who killed seven truckers, who allegedly had borderline personality disorder, then like, you know, maybe we can get somewhere. And if Eileen Mornos did have borderline personality disorder, would treatment have helped her not commit these murders? Could we maybe, you know, do preventative care? And instead of letting people with mental illness get to the point of where they need to be inmates in prison, if we help people who are experiencing mental illness, that's a preventative measure. That's going to better society. So why is it so hard to understand? And I want to be clear. I'm not excusing murder. Murder is bad and you shouldn't do it. But I am saying that if we cared about the mentally ill in this country, in the United States maybe more people wouldn't murder. If you want to get involved in ending the stigma, you can do a lot of stuff. You can listen to your friends who have mental illnesses, do research on your own, donate to organizations like the ones I mentioned, uh, Hope for a Day, Project 375, Two Right Love on Her Arms, The Beam Organization. There's a lot you can do that's not just listening to me talk into a microphone for 20 minutes. Uh, Most episodes won't be me just talking about myself, mostly. Uh, There'll be a lot more researched, a lot more media-focused. But this is the first episode, and I wanted to talk about myself for a little bit. So now that we've gotten to know each other, I'm really excited to see you again soon. Thanks for listening.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.